We welcome everybody into another edition of the Sacramento State Hornets Stingers Up football podcast. I'm Jason Ross. Thank you so much for checking us out for another week. Today on the podcast, we're going to look back at the win last week by the Hornets at Northern Colorado. Very scary, very much of a down-to-the-wire victory, but a victory as the Hornets' perfect season in the big sky continued. We'll uh, reflect back on that. We'll look ahead to this week's matchup against Cal Poly, and we'll talk with a a local reporter, Cameron Salerno, who has covered uh, high school football and Sac State as well for the Sacramento Bee. Uh, He will join us a little bit later to talk not only about this Hornet team, where they are now, and where he's been on them. He's been a guy that has thought this team... Uh, would do a lot of the things they're doing right now. So we'll visit with Cameron a little bit later here in the podcast. But let's start with kind of where the team is right now in the situation with the standings. It's a big week coming up in the big sky with just three regular season Saturdays to go uh, for Sacramento State and for the big sky. Let's look at the standings right now as we speak. Uh, First place on top of the conference is Montana State and your Sacramento State Hornets, both 5-0. 5-0. and oh. uh, Eastern Washington is 4-1. and one. UC Davis 4-1. and one. You've got Montana and Northern Arizona, Portland State and Weber State, all 3-2 and two in conference. Then you go a little bit further down. Northern Colorado is now 2-4. and four. Idaho 1-4. and four. Idaho State 1-5. and five. Cal Poly 0-5. Oh and, and Southern Utah 0-6. Oh so that's where it's laid out. The Hornets really control their destiny here as far as, hey, if they went out, they will be at least a share of the Big Sky Conference title. But there's some things that could play into their favor. Let's look at the schedule this week. You've got Montana taking on Northern Colorado. Portland State against Weber State. That's a really big game because Weber State's playoff hopes are still there. And honestly, so are Portland State's. I don't think anybody's looked at the Vikings. Portland State is a brutal finish. They're 3-2 and two in conference, 4-4 four and four overall. But if they win out, including wins over, what, this weekend, Weber State, beat Sac State the following weekend, they close with, I think, Eastern Washington, uh, they would get in. I mean, those three wins on their resume to close, I don't know that that'll happen, but that's a team to watch that probably has their slim playoff hopes still alive and would likely have to win out. So check out that game this weekend with Portland State and Weber State. And conversely, Weber State's kind of hanging on by a thread, 3-2 and two in conference uh, overall, Four and four, a fifth loss would be pretty damaging for them. Um, you've got Idaho State going out of conference this week. They'll take on 15th ranked BYU. So that's a really tough matchup for the Bengals. UC Davis is at Northern Arizona. Northern Arizona bounced back very beautifully after the Hornets dismantled them a couple weeks ago. So we'll see how that game goes because last week NAU got a win over Idaho by seven and found their offense again uh, after getting shut out by the Hornets. You've got Idaho hosting Southern Utah. Um, and then the two other games of note, Montana State and Eastern Washington. That's number four versus number five. And right there, I don't know what Hornet fans are going to root for, probably for Montana State to lose. And if the Hornets went out, then they'd have sole possession of a Big Sky Conference title. So, uh, And then, of course, the Hornets have to do that. They have to keep winning. And this week, they get uh, Cal Poly. Hornets now in the rankings, number 16 in one poll, which they went back a spot. Had a little bit of an issue with that. I know it wasn't the cleanest and most beautiful win, but it's still a road win. And teams like Eastern, Montana State, and UC Davis all went up without playing. So it's odd. It's the rankings. But don't worry. When the committees get together and seed teams, they're not really – they're putting their effort and energy in this. doesn't mean they're going to get it always right. But they'll have some different kind of eyes on this and a real look at the Hornets' resume this year. So Sacramento State last week, though, got it done. They won their fifth straight game 
with that 27-24 victory over Northern Colorado. The five-game win streak is the longest for the program in its Division One era when its uh, longest overall streak came in 1991. But in the Division One era, this is it. And they're winning constantly under Coach Taylor, constantly in the big sky, constantly on the road. These are all good things, but it certainly wasn't easy. So let's take a listen back at to the uh, the grind. Let's call it that, the grind, but a win in Greeley. Kyle Senkowski comes on for the field goal try. He's 11 of 14 this year, as long as 49. School record, remembers 14 made field goals in a season. Try to put the Hornets up 3-0. This will be from the near side hash mark, a 38-yard field goal. Into the wind. Snap comes in a little low. Senkowski puts a foot on it. It's on the way, and it is good. Kyle Senkowski puts the Hornets on the scoreboard first. A nice drive that stalled out just a bit, but they'll take three points. 9.38 to go in the first quarter. Sacramento State 3, the Bears nothing on second and four just outside the red zone. Dunaway fields the snap. Back to throw. Pressure coming. Throws downfield. Going up high to make the catch as Parker Clayton drags the defense with him. Inside the 10, down to the 8, first and goal Hornets. Right now it's only three to nothing, but this is a complete win here in the first quarter for the Hornets because they've had the ball the entire quarter pretty much. Well, now Asher O'Hara is back in. Here's where he's the fearless diver of the goal line. Also, Scadaboo's back behind him. The Hornets go power at the line of scrimmage on second and goal from the two. O'Hara under center. He's going to roll out to his right, dumps it off. There he is, wide open. Martin for the touchdown. Little tight end release to Marshall Martin. So much movement, so much for the defense to look at. And Asher O'Hara delivers a strike to Marshall Martin for the touchdown. Danny Sullivan, it is target practice down there right now. It's a great formation, great play, nice rollout. It was a great fake, and Marshall was wide open. I could have caught that. McCaffrey sends his tight end Pierce in motion on third and long. It's a toss sweep here to the near side. The Hornets will stretch it out, and they're going to deny this play quickly. Hawkins set it up. Jeter helped out. They lose Five yards back to the 42. They may have to punt now. Yep, and it was a gentle push out of bounds. It wasn't something that could cause a penalty with a cheap shot. So good job by the Hornets. Loss of yardage back to the 41 for the Bears. And the Bears are feeling some desperation here. Now they bring in the punting unit. Jeremy Harris is in right now. Jace O'Hara, brother of quarterback Asher O'Hara, is in. Also, Ariel Nagata. We mentioned the... Medical Marvel recovering from torn Achilles in five and a half months. He's an edge rusher right now trying to get to McCaffrey on this third and long. He'll bring it from the near side, slips through, ball thrown downfield, and it's caught in motion, and it's going to go. It's going to go the distance for a touchdown. The Hornets gambled, and they almost got to the quarterback, but a slant over the middle to Dylan Thomas has changed the game on a pass over the middle for a touchdown. As soon as he caught it, you knew he was gone because the Hornets gambled. But is there a flag on the field? They're picking it up. Ariel Nagata wanted the call. There was a flag, but they pick it up. Wow. That was just a sense where the secondary got a little bit off stride, and when he caught it slicing back from left to right, he was gone. Well, here's where it's critical because you have to lead the same personnel on the field. So Martin goes out. You're not going to have a chance to change personnel. No timeouts. It's third down and goal from the one. Do they go power? Scadaboo is right behind the quarterback. Dunaway. The toss here to the near side to Perkinson who gets in. The same play that's worked so beautifully. He was lined up on the left edge. 
and he just curled around a toss, a little short toss to him. They sweep right, and he gets in. Touchdown, Hornets. You have the momentum with that play, and the little teeny pitch toss is just working perfectly effectively because your linemen get up into their blocks, and it delays it just that much. And the back has a full momentum when he catches the ball. They're going to bring in Kyle Sinkowski for a field goal try. So this could make it a six-point lead. And this gets him one from the record. One from tying the school record, right? He has 11 coming in. He's made 12. The school record is 14 for a season to tie it. Snap is high. Ball placed down. The kick is up. He got it. Hornets will take the three points. Kyle Sinkowski converts that. Northern Colorado feels like that's a victory for them. It's 20-14 Hornets. 8.01 to go in the third quarter. All right, so the Hornets got the three points. They get the three and out, and now they'll uh, field this punt. And I'm scared of these punts. Yeah. Well, Gandy just had that gorgeous kick return. Last time back there he called a fair catch. Yeah, but he did have the amazing kick return. Maybe he'll have a great punt return, and my fear will be for not. Devin Bale, the uh, punter, freshman from La Jolla, 41-yard average. Oh, it's a fake. They snap it short. The Hornets aren't ready for it. They're going to get the first down and more. The Hornets aren't even looking. And they turned it upfield all the way to the 50. They were blocking the gunner. It was a short snap to the up man. And the Hornets were running downfield, not even looking at the ball carrier. It's a gain of about 20 yards. What a call. Perfect execution. And the Bears advance it to midfield. Well, the Hornets are hoping that's not a momentum shifter. Because the crowd loved it. Yep. And that was the easiest run of his life. He had blockers, and the Hornets weren't even looking at him. Second and eight, one back formation, no tight ends. One receiver left, three to the right for McCaffrey. He'll hand off. This is to Sledge. Sledge pinballs. Lost the ball. It's loose. It's picked up by Munchie Filer, and he goes to his knee. But a turnover. The Hornets get it at the 46-yard line. Well, I'm kind of glad things didn't work out for Munchie there. He was trying to scoop and score, and he kind of stumbled and just recovered the ball. I was nervous about the scoop and whiff. Well, it's third down and eight. So Dunaway bought some extra time rolling to his left. No one was open. So here we go. Hornets are in a long field goal range. Well, not long, but into the wind. The lead is only three. Gable goes in motion on third and eight. Back to throw is Dunaway. He's going to look downfield to Gable. Makes the catch this time as he's got it down at the 11-yard line. First down, Hornets. Wow, just enough yardage for the first down. Gable not the biggest target at five foot four. That was a bullet. Well thrown. Really well thrown. Good route run by Gable. O'Hara comes in. Dunaway goes out. Hornets downshifting here with six and a half and counting to go. Leading 20 to 17. Parker Clayton, a receiver to the left. Lucas Triplett, receiver to the right. O'Hara's in with two backs. It's Scadaboo and Perkinson. Now Perkinson shifts as a receiver to the slot. O'Hara gives to Scadaboo. He runs left. He's to the five. He's down to the goal line. He powers in. Touchdown. Cameron Scadaboo and the Hornets. He's over 100, and the lead extends for Sacramento State. He was absent for a while here in the second half, but that was a tremendous run of skill and power. Well, that is big. All right. Can the Hornets get to the quarterback, McCaffrey, here? They're showing five at the line of scrimmage. They're going to bring four. McCaffrey back to throw. Pressure coming, and they sack him back at the two-yard line. It's Josiah Erickson as the clock runs. It's going to be second down and long. Back at the six-yard line is where they'll spot it. The receivers were all the way downfield, so there's now 15 seconds left as they get in formation. 
Ten seconds to go in the game. Throwing from the end zone is McCaffrey. He's going to pump and throw it underneath at the 10. Hornets need to keep him in the field to play, and they do. And there are six seconds to go. The Hornets are going to watch this one end. Three, two, one, ball game. Somehow, someway, the Sacramento State Hornets stay perfect. They extend their win streak to five consecutive wins. They stay perfect in the big sky going 5-0. and oh. And a thriller in Greeley in which Sacramento State survives to win 27-24. And instead of fading into some sort of a prevent, they get another sack at the end of the game. Scared money. And 27-24. Well, the Hornets came here as heavy favorites. They come out with a few less hairs on the heads of the coaching staff, but... It's about winning. It's a win, and the Hornets remain undefeated in conference. They're now 6-2 and two overall, 5-0 and oh in the Big Sky, one of two undefeated teams in the Big Sky Conference. Well, Coach, just like any game in the Big Sky, you can't give up on any opponent. Team battled today. They did. You know, Northern Colorado came out to play. They had a good plan. Their guys played well the entire game, and luckily uh, we were able to hold on, but that's uh, they did a great job, Northern Colorado. Defense had to take it at the end. Of course, we've always loved that our defense is always on top of it. And a chance like this, you still blitz and you still get the sack on the quarterback in that last couple of plays. Yeah, you know, the good thing is we got a couple of first downs and we're able to pin them a little bit deep. And then the sack was huge because they didn't have any timeout. So it kind of ran the clock down and, um, yeah, got another stop. I think that's three in a row where the game was on the line and our, our defense got the stop. So I'm proud of them. Offensively, Scadaboo has been has to be a joy for you guys. He is fun to watch and to play another 100-yard game for him. Uh, how do you like what he's been doing? Fantastic. He's just a kid, brings a lot of passion. He's a, the perfect Hornet. He's a blue-collar kid and, uh, you know, stepped up with uh, a couple guys down, and he did a heck of a job. Congratulations on the win, Coach. Thank you. Stingers up. All right, so Sacramento State got it done. Timely defense at the end. Special teams uh, was good throughout the game. Uh, defense gave up a couple of big plays. That's something to watch going forward. But offense, without some key personnel, Pierre Williams did start the game, but didn't really uh, wasn't a factor and, and didn't finish the game. So hopefully he'll be better soon. Marcus Fulcher, another important running back, did not even make the trip. But Cameron Scadaboo was good. The offense was a little bit out of their normal rhythm and kind of reverted back to some of the things we saw very earlier in the season where maybe they were getting field goals more than touchdowns. Felt like they could have got separation in the game. Never did. But the most important thing was finding a way to win. And they did that, which was really, really important. And to keep things in control in the conference, in their own control, right? In their own destiny. And so now they got to try to keep this thing going in a positive way. All right. A guy that's been able to see this team quite a bit, uh, whether at home or in practices or even back to high school, is Cameron Salerno. He covers the Hornets and high school football for the Sacramento Bee. And I had a chance uh, to catch up with Cameron uh, talking about Sacramento State. Uh, Cameron, I know you've been a guy that's been very open and public on your account uh, about how much of a believer you are in this team. And it looks like it's being backed up right now. It's been quite a season so far for the Hornets. Yeah, Jason, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, so I, I picked Sacramento State to win the Big Sky Conference. I know a lot of people on Twitter and even text me saying, why did you pick Sacramento State? I mean, you have Montana. You have Eastern Washington. You have Weber State, who has won the conference and dominated. Um, but I just thought Sac State had a really good chance to win the conference because they returned a lot of their guys. They had a really favorable schedule in Big Sky. They didn't have to play Eastern Washington. They didn't have to play Montana State. They didn't have to play Weber State. And I mean, they the amount of talent they returned is incredible. I know 
the quarterback situation coming of the year was really um, fluid. No one really knew what was going to happen. I mean, I heard people tell me it's going to be Shane Bennett, it's going to be Jake Dunaway, it's going to be Ash O'Hara. And then I think, I mean, Troy Taylor really kept it under the vest of who's going to start. And the two-quarterback system, I think, has worked incredibly well. I mean, it's it's really hard, especially in college athletics or high school, to have that two-quarterback system. I mean, you rarely see it. Uh, I mean, obviously, the guys have to get along, and they have to buy in. And Asher and Jake do things. Um, they both do things uh, well in different ways. I mean, Asher's an incredible runner. I, I joke that every single time uh, he plays, he's going to have some sort of highlight over-the-top play. And then Jake has really developed as a passer. I mean, his confidence and his poise, um, even when you talk to him after a game, you can tell he's a great leader. And, uh, I, I mean, the system has worked, so uh, if it ain't broke, they'll fix it. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Cameron, as far as where I, I wasn't understanding why enough people weren't ranking them maybe higher or thinking higher of them because the last time they played, they obviously won league, made it to the playoffs, uh, had, a, had a, a great season. But I think the doubt came in on an important position, quarterback. But – um, to your to what you're saying, I, it's amazing that the two quarterback system has worked the way those two guys have handled it. But I also think they've been coached so well because it just it all has worked this far into the year. I thought it would get down to one by now, but it obviously hasn't, and it's still going. And I don't know why they would switch at this point. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It, it's funny because even when Astro Hair comes in, most defenses know it's going to be a quarterback draw or quarterback power, and they still can't stop. I mean, after gets at least three four yards carry. And, I mean, what's been so impressed, I think, is the run game uh, with Sacramento State. I mean, obviously, losing Elijah Dobson is definitely something that's been a huge loss for Sac State. Um, and it could honestly have been a season-defining loss because, I mean, we know how talented Elijah is. Um, he's been an All-American. He had a lot of accolades coming into the year. And so, for them to really adjust, and I think we talked about it too, I mean, Cameron Scadabo has really come on the last two weeks. And for me, it's not a surprise because if you watch him at Real Linda High School, he's doing all the exact same things he's doing right now at Sacramento State. He's a fearless runner. Uh, he's probably one of the best running backs I've ever seen at the high school level uh, just because of his fearlessness. And he, he breaks tackles. It's hard to bring him down. He's, he doesn't look like the biggest like runner either, but he just breaks tackles and fights off. It, it's incredible to watch. I mean, it takes – three to four guys to tackle him, even at the college level, which is incredible. Yeah, I know the Hornets liked him, obviously, as you said, well-decorated runner in high school at Real Linda, but to get to this level, and then you're exactly right, Cameron, that he, it's rare that the first guy gets him down. So a two-yard run may be four. A four-yard run is six or eight, and then certainly he's getting a share of 15s, 17s, 20s. Um, that's what I guess he was doing in high school too, right? Yeah, I mean, he rushed for 3,500 yards as a junior in high school, rushed for 47 touchdowns. Uh, he had to run the state championship game. If anyone has not seen it, go watch it. I think uh, I forget who they're playing, but I mean, he broke. I'm not exaggerating. Ten tackles to score a 80 plus yard touchdown. It was incredible. Uh, I just think he's he's a great runner. And Troy Taylor said after the game um, against Southern Utah or against Northern Arizona that he was going to get more touches and more touches. And so he's gone over 100 yards the last two games. And obviously, I think Sac State struggled to find rhythm. Uh, Scadwell wasn't getting a ton of carries until late in the fourth quarter when Saxo was trying to ice the game and put it away. But, I mean, he's someone who can be valuable, and I can honestly see him being the starter going forward. 
Yeah, with injuries to Fulcher the last week or so, and then certainly the departure of Dotson. That's where you love that this team not only has depth at the running back position, but we talked about quarterbacks that can play. I mean, to me, that's the, the part that makes this a good team, too, is they really, truly have depth at a lot of positions. Yeah, I mean, I think coming into the year uh, with Sacramento State, I think the biggest question mark for me was going to be their defense. How well was their defense going to play? Because obviously in 2019, I think that was their strength. Their defensive line got constant pressure. Their cornerbacks got a lot of turnovers. And so this year, I mean, the the defense struggled. Um, I mean, they gave seven points against Dixie State and then obviously really struggled against Northern Arizona and held in there with Cal. And I think probably the season-defining victory was honestly against Idaho State, a game they struggled, and it really showed them they can win a tough game on the road. Uh, they had a key interception to seal that win when Idaho State was driving uh, down the field. And then obviously they've, they've looked really good against Southern Utah, and then obviously that win against Montana was incredible. Um, probably, the I mean, their biggest, biggest win of the season by far, probably honestly one of the biggest wins in the Troy Taylor era. Uh, I know in 2019 they beat Montana, they beat Montana State, they lost to Weaver and they beat Eastern Washington at home. But, I mean, just the way they went to uh, Missoula and won on the road when, I mean, they had really not put together a complete performance yet all season, uh, I think was incredible. And then they followed up, obviously, with a win against Northern Arizona, uh, which they dominated. And that was the only time a, a Big Sky team has been shut out in FCS play this season. Yeah, it's been impressive what they've done. Um, when you've covered high school games, too, still now to this day locally, are local – high school excuse me local college type players and even local coaches eyeing the hornet program as potential places to to go for their players oh yeah i mean the narrative about uh sacramento state not recruiting local i think has really shifted and failed because for the longest time a lot of people complained that sacramento state was not recruiting local uh, obviously when troy taylor was hired they had no Folsom players in the roster and that changed rather quickly i think they have about uh eight or nine Folsom players in the roster currently so i mean obviously i think a lot of people want to play for the Hornets. And, I mean, when the offer is given uh, to a player in this area, it's definitely something that's more considered. Uh, I mean, you look at Zeke Burnett from Elk Grove, who's a, a really good running back, probably a top five running back in the whole sack walking section. I mean, he had offers from Colorado. He had offers from a few uh, Mountain West and Big Sky schools, and he still picked Sac State because of the relationships he built. And so I think that is a credit to Sacramento State staff for able to get those kind of kids because, a few years ago, that was not the case, and now they're getting those kids who um, they're competing against uh, in other recruiting battles like Mountain West and other big sky schools. Hornets will be at home this week against Cal Poly. they got a home game after that against Portland State and then the Causeway. Let's start with, with the Cal Poly game. This I feel like this program's going to get better with Bo Baldwin. It's just they've they've completely shifted and changed everything from kind of that wing tee so they're kind of taking their lumps, but it might be pretty nice to have a good Cal Poly team with Davis's program and Sac State. All of a sudden, the big sky in California could be a pretty big threat in years to come. Yeah, I agree. I hope Cal Poly gets good. I know they get they get a lot of local guys too from the Sacramento area. I mean, um, Kyle Christensen's one of the guys who uh, was one of the best linemen to come out of the area in recent years. He's at Cal Poly, so I think it. Cal Poly, if Cal Poly gets better, I think it'll be good for the entire Big Sky Conference because obviously no one wants to struggle and be at the bottom. I think I'd pick Cal Poly to finish last, but they're definitely a program that I think can have a resurgence in a few years. As uh, I know there's games to go, coaches never look ahead, but we will, uh, Cameron, to the causeway. Yeah, there's uh, potential that this could be, you know, 
for league title, for both teams getting in, maybe only one team getting in the post. It depends on what happens the next couple of weeks, but this seems to be as exciting of a potential causeway we've had in a long, long time. Oh, it's probably the biggest cause. If Sacramento State comes in undefeated in Big Sky play and Cal- or UC Davis comes in with one loss, it- it'd be the biggest causeway classic in recent memory. At least, I mean, I know Joe would know that answer because I know Joe's been around longer than I have. But I mean, the, the importance of the causeway classic in that game will be, I mean, it's, it'll be magnified. Uh, UC Davis has, uh, they've struggled in recent weeks, but they look really good early. Uh, they played Northern Arizona this week, and then they play Eastern Washington uh, the week before the big, or Cosmic Classic. Uh, so it, it's going to be really interesting to see how the big sky shakes out, because I know uh, Eastern Washington plays Montana State. If Montana State were to lose, then it would be a, Sac uh, State would be, uh, uh, outright in first place if they were to beat Cal Poly this weekend, and then there'd be a like three or four way tie for second place with Eastern Washington, Montana State, and uh, UC Davis. Yeah, there's a lot to still shake out. The conference is so good, and what I think it's great what the Hornets have done this year after the great season in 19 to back it up with another good season. Now it really feels like they are building that program that they've been seeking. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that, Jason, and I think the narrative has shifted also because. Uh, people, I mean, the national perspective of Sacramento State coming the year was not great. I think, I mean, they were picked to finish sixth in the Big Sky, uh, and Montana State and Montana and Eastern Washington, Weaver State were all picked ahead of them, and even UC Davis. Uh, and so I think a lot of people from the outside, and it's hard to keep track. And I, I give, I give, I don't uh, fault national media members for not knowing everything, but obviously for someone like me who has followed the program and has followed the recruits they're getting over the years, uh, I think it's important to know. Uh, how good, or I knew how good the Sacramento State team could be. Um, I know they struggled early in the season, but obviously I think they've really kicked in the gear, and if they finish strong, then they're going to be a really tough out in the FPS playoff. Well, Cameron, it's uh, great to catch up with you. I know we'll see you at the game Saturday, and uh, this has been fun. It's been a fun season. Hopefully the Hornets can continue it. Definitely. Hopefully my prediction comes true. We'll see. Time will tell. Bang. Perfect. Thank you, Cam. Appreciate that. Awesome. Thanks, Jason. Anytime. All right. See you Saturday. All right. See you soon. Bye. Right, bye. My thanks to Cameron Salerno. There's some things to uh, look forward to for Sacramento State down the line, but you got to go one game at a time. The team's really good at that. They got to lock in on this week's opponent, and it's Cal Poly. And we kind of touched on it there a little bit with Cameron. I, I really think there's an opportunity in the not too distant future where the Big Sky could have Sacramento State, Cal Poly, UC Davis all as three main centerpieces of this conference. And a lot of it's about coaching. Coach Hawkins is a really good coach at UC Davis. Bo Baldwin's got a great track record. They're just changing a complete structure of the way things were run at Portland, or excuse me, at Cal Poly, where they were running uh, the running the wing tee and the option. And uh, they got to change personnel, and you don't do that overnight. So I think over time, Cal Poly is going to be a very well-coached team and a good team and a destiny a destination for high school players to go to. And then, of course, we know what Troy Taylor's doing right now on a week-to-week basis at Sacramento State. Um, this team is so well-coached. I'm so impressed by him and the coaching staff. And then the players for listening and um, taking it all in and, and getting it done and really locking in on each week's opponent, which is what they're going to have to do this week with Cal Poly. So record-wise, we say it, you look at it, but you can't make that be a factor in how you approach the game. Cal Poly, just 1-7. They haven't won a Big Sky game. They won their first game of the year. That was way back in early September when they beat San Diego. The other thing of note from that game, they scored 28 points. 
that's their high watermark. This team has had a lot of trouble scoring. So you look at losses since then. Fresno State, South Dakota, Montana, Weber State, Montana State, UC Davis. They haven't dodged anybody. Uh, in Portland State, I think they've played all the best teams in the conference. So you can look at it and say, well, look, they're probably not as bad as their record. They're playing all the best teams, but they also haven't been as competitive in the games as you would like. Here's their losses by margin, 63-10 to 10 to Fresno State, 48-14 South Dakota. Montana got them 39-7. Weber, 38-7. Montana State, 45-7. UC Davis, 24-13. to 13. And Portland State last week beat them by, doubled them up, lapped them 42-21. So, again, try to beat this team while they're down. I don't anticipate them being down for too long. Uh, they've had injuries. They've had to go through a lot of lot of different people have thrown the ball this year for Cal Poly. Um, but if you're Sacramento State, stick to your principles. Stick to what you're good at. Let's get that offense back in rhythm and humming with a two-quarterback formation. Continue Scadaboo or Perkinson or Fulcher or Gable, whoever's running behind them, and spread it out. It's so great to see how many young receivers are contributing to this offense. Pierre Williams is still their their biggest threat. And so was Marshall Martin, but to get Parker Clayton going last week, or the last couple of weeks, and Chris Miller and Gandy and Gibson, just a lot of different weapons that this team has. Uh, special teams has helped them, especially in the the kicking game uh, with Sinkowski still chasing that school record for most field goals. Clark's chasing a school record for punt average. Um, they've cleaned up some of the return issues that happened a little bit earlier in the year. So. More of that, more of the same. Keep it going. Can't look too far ahead. I mean, I know Davis is on the rise, and certainly Portland State got to lock in and focus and not miss an opportunity. Nearly happened last week. It wasn't because of necessarily sloppy play, but they were in a game. It was a battle. They were tested, and they prevailed, and I think that was good for them to go through that. So it's going to be fun. Hopefully we see you out there. Big crowd for Cal Poly, kind of a rivalry team at Hornet Stadium. Fred Anderson Field should be fun on Saturday night. So again, my thanks to Cameron Salerno for joining us. We're back next week for another edition of the Stingers Up Sacramento State Hornet Football Podcast. We'll recap the Cal Poly game. We'll look ahead to the last home game of the year. Salute to the seniors, at least regular season-wise, when they take on Portland State. So we'll do all that next week, but enjoy Hornet football this weekend. Thank you so much for listening to our Sacramento State Stingers Up Football Podcast.